0: So, hey, um, found this, right, kind of a cool little thing, little string. Uh, we can get creative with it, right? Like, we could uh, put it on as a little bit of a necklace. We could, if I was skinny enough, I could use it as a belt. Kids these days, right? You guys, you guys like, I see, like, the kids' pants with, like, shoestrings as belts. Apparently, that's a thing now. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Um, if I was really athletic, I could use it as a jump rope. Um, but um, it's kind of a little bit useless, though, if it's just loose, right? Like if we just kind of let it wad up and just kind of sit there, it really doesn't do a whole lot. But if you uh, want to get something really interesting out of this, You put some tension on it. If only I had, I don't know, say a piece of wood that was curved, and uh, we could string that on there. Now, it's not long enough, right? I can't connect it. I'm going to have to put some tension on it, okay? So let's say I put some tension on there. Don't worry. Rich asked me this morning, do you have an arrow And I said, no, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid, okay? Now, all of a sudden, wish you can hear that right there, right? You can do some really cool things with this, right? You can use it as a, a, a little musical instrument. You can shoot things with it, right? Now, all of a sudden, this string becomes very, very useful. But what if I take it so far the other way, and all of a sudden this was made out of metal, instead of wood that's flexible and metal is going to all of a sudden be so strong that it's going to do what to the string? It's going to break it. It's going to snap it, which also renders it useless. So a string in and of itself that is just either loose or broken becomes useless. But to get the most out of that string, you know, if we didn't have tense strings, Rachel wouldn't have sounded so dang good, right? Even our vocal cords are basically strings that, that, that resonate, right? And so this morning, we want to use this as kind of a visual to help us understand where we're going next with the letter of John. Um, did I just say John? There we go. That was, you should go back and listen. Our series on John was on point. <laughs> Still can't get over it, apparently. So, James, thank you. How dare you correct a pastor while they're talking? <laughs> Gosh, can't, man, there we go. Um, James, so we want to navigate through James. James is the book that talks about faith in action, right? It's really, really fun. There's some sections in it that are really encouraging, and it's really, it's, it's like, it's, it's so much fun to dig into. But we also have been looking at some some sections that maybe aren't quite as fun, that aren't quite as easy. And for some of us especially, it brings up a lot of hurt, a lot of pain because of our upbringing in in religion and, and things like that to where they've been used and abused um, and misused in, in some really, really hurtful ways. But we've been looking at how we have this balance of our faith and our actions, right? And last week, we spent some time talking about how our lives, our actions, our behaviors are the fruit of our real faith. And so if we say we have a faith, it should produce some kind of fruit in our lives. And if the fruit of our lives is continual junk fruit, right? Uh, Then we have to kind of step back and say, what do we really believe? What is our faith actually? Um, By the way, I have been really appreciating, we talk a lot about connect groups. We say that that the Sunday morning worship gatherings are only one small part of who we are as the greenhouse church, family, ministry, whatever, um, and our connect groups. It's been fun to dig into these, and and it's a safe place where we can kind of wrestle. We have people coming from a lot of different experiences and and situations, and it's fun to be able to to dig into this together. Um, But this morning, we are going to continue to, to take an even deeper look at the relationship between faith, and works. We're gonna have it um, up on the screen here, but if you have any on your phone or in a Bible, you can keep, your, your, keep that open on your phone or keep your thumb in this. Um, we're gonna jump around a little bit. But our focal pack, passage this morning is gonna be James chapter 2, verses 20 through 24. It's a little bit more condensed because we're gonna dig pretty deep in it. Here we go. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He, has even called, he was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Now, I was once criticized as a teacher because this, this person said, um, Jason, you, you sometimes are a little apologetic for the Bible, and you present it as confusing and hard to understand. And I was kind of like, really? And he goes, yeah, it seems like you're always kind of like, well, this is kind of hard. Blah, blah, blah. And I, I should have taken him to this passage. <laughs> right? Because this passage as I'm reading, I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, we have a big group coming this week. And I knew some new people are coming. And God, can't we just please skip back to like John 3. That's where John came from. Well, let's just go to John 3.16, right? God loves you. We're all good. Let's go, right? Um, but no, this is where we're at. This is what's in the word. And I, and I just want to point to this and say, at rest my case, sometimes it is confusing. It's not apologizing for it, but it's saying, "Hey, I feel like this has been misused and abused in a really hurtful way for probably a lot of us in this room." And so, for that, I want to apologize, because when God's word that He that He went to great lengths to give us has been mutilated and been used as a sledgehammer instead of a love letter, it pisses me off. It makes me mad. It hurts me because I know how much it hurts. And so, and and for that sense, I want to apologize. If you were here this morning and, 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 and you're like, dude, you already lost me. I want to apologize and say, hey, let's step back and let's take a fresh look at this. Because we have to hold this in context with what the rest of the Bible says. Okay? So, probably most of us, if not all of us, come from either one of two camps, either the heavy works slash legalism. It's a work camp, right? Faith is a work camp. You're on work release, right? Like, we're going to let you out of church only to go work some more, right? And basically, this camp says that you work to get and keep your salvation, that works are necessary for salvation. You, you earn it, and then you gotta work like crazy to keep it. It's all up to you, right? And, and part of that is just working to keep God happy because God is an inherently angry God. He's waiting for you to screw up, and he's just waiting for you to mess up so that he can punish you because that's what he loves to do, right? That's really hurtful. <laughs> um, that's, verses like this become the capstone the poster of kind of like where, well, see, the Bible says, you know, faith without works is dead. You don't, you're not saved by faith alone. You got to work for it too, right? But the problem is, is that um, in this paradigm, Jesus is not enough. You see, Jesus only did part of it. And now it's up to us to do, to be a Jesus, to be a savior as well is that Jesus kind of saves us, but we also save ourselves. Well, this verse is not the entirety of the Bible because there's a lot of other verses that we have to hold in tension and harmony together. And so we have to look, okay, this is what James says, surface reading, this is what it looks like, but then we have to step back and we have to look at also the grace and the faith camp. We like to focus on verses like Romans chapter 3, verse 28. That says, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. That's the Apostle Paul writing. And then Paul writes again in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, God saves you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that no one of us can boast about it. So here we have saying that salvation is not just by faith alone, but also your works, right, at surface level. But then you have Paul sitting over here, sitting across the table, screaming at him, saying, no, 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 it's grace alone. It's not, it's a gift that you're given and you can't earn it. And it's stop trying to earn it so you can brag about it. You're not Jesus, so stop trying to do his job right and it appears like paul and james are sitting across the table looking at each other screaming well here's the problem is that if it's it's really easy in the grace faith camp to now all of a sudden go the absolute other way to where hey i'm saved once saved always saved i'm good to go i can just pray the prayer jesus loves me and now i can go about life like normal right? And I can do whatever I want, and I, I don't have to do a single thing. I, I can, I'm saved, and now I'm good, right? And there's this sense of security that we have in that because it's kind of like, ah, oh, it doesn't really matter. So which is it? Does James yell louder? Does Paul yell louder? Which is right? And so what we essentially have is we have that string to where either on one hand, it just lays there and it's kind of like, ah, grace, yay, way to go. And now let's go do what we want. And on the other hand, it's kind of like, we're always living under this shroud of fear of have I done enough? How will I know? And, and I got to work really hard and we're, we're overcome by fear, right? Until we finally snap. And then we're kind of like, you know what? Forget it all, I'm done. How do we interpret this? When the Bible seems to contradict itself, well, we can either say, each are mutually exclusive, they contradict, I'm out, we're done, or we can sit there and say, how do we find that appropriate, healthy tension? How do we find that tension that actually leads to something that's harmony? You know, the cool thing is this morning, is that Rachel is really, really good at the guitar and Rich is really, really good at the keys. And guess what? Not a single, you know, their plan, if you would take each and every single note that they played this morning, they would sound like over here and over here and over here and over here and over here. And they seem to go against each other, but when you put them all together, because they know what they're doing, they sound amazing. And so that's what we wanna do this morning is we wanna look at how we can make sense of these seemingly contradictory statements. So let's like take a closer look at James here. I don't think that James and Paul were mortal enemies. I don't think that James and Paul sat across the table and screamed at each other. I don't think they were opposed to each other. In fact, I think that they were back-to-back, and they were looking at the same truths, and they were looking into their situations. And they were saying, what do our people in this situation at this time, in this context, what do they need to hear? And how does the good news look in this situation right now? They were looking at the struggles. They were looking at the culture that they were surrounded by. They were looking at all these different things. And each one of them was applying how grace and faith and transformation and everyday life all play out for them. So let's take a little bit of a looker close here. Verse 20 of James chapter 2. How foolish, can't you see that faith without works, sorry, faith without deeds is useless? I actually like the Greek better. If you, if you look word for word Greek translation here, it says, aren't you willing to see, you foolish person, right? It says, okay, one, you're foolish, and two, you're not willing to see. Foolish literally means, uh, it comes from the words kenos, and it means empty, vain, containing nothing. He's like, like James is actually kind of going for the juggler here. He says, hey, dummy, <laughs> like, like you're just so busy blowing hot air, you're not willing to look at what's really there. You're empty. You're vain. Stop trying to. Well, I think, I think, I think. Maybe sit back and say, what does Jesus think? What is Jesus trying to say to you right now? And then he says that faith without good deeds is useless. What does that useless word mean? It comes from the Greek word argos, which means idle, barren, fruitless. Go back and listen to last week, right? We don't want to be a bunch of fruitless prayer trees. If we say we believe, but then we don't act it out, do we really believe it? And so he's saying, hey, stop blowing hot air And maybe look at the fruit in our lives. Are you willing to see what you actually really believe? Because you say this, but your life doesn't match it up. Therefore, it is barren. Verse 21, don't you remember that your ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Now, James scores deep points here because Father Abraham was Father Abraham. Everything came from Father Abraham. If you wanted a rallying cry, if you wanted to, you know, it was like, USA, USA, Father Abraham, Father Abraham, right? It was nationalistic. It was prideful. It was rallying. It was like, that is who we are. I can be like Father Abraham, you know, and it was unifying and exciting and all this kind of stuff like that. Why? Because God chose Abraham to establish his chosen people. And so a lot of the promises and a lot of the the relationship, a lot of what became this this nation, this religion, this whole identity came through, came from God through Abraham, right? And it is kind of interesting because it says that he was shown to be right with God. Um, Other translations said he was shown righteous or his righteousness was shown. That, that word righteous means right relationship, right? And, and what did he do that showed that he was a friend of God, that he was right with God? He sacrificed. He sacrificed. Here's the thing, is that did the sacrifice make Abraham right with God or did it reveal his right relationship with God? It says, he was shown to be righteous. His sacrifice was a fruit of his real faith. He had sacrificed to God. He had had laid his own life down at the altar to God and said, here's my life. That is what salvation is. I'm giving you my entire life. And so you want everything else in my life? Well, yeah. I mean, I gave you my life here. I'll give you my life here too. And that's what it means to be right in our relationship with God, is we are willing to give him all that we are. And that's how James uses it. Paul uses Father Abraham as, as an example of faith as well in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Paul says this Abraham was, humanly speaking, the father of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people counted as righteous uh, but, but people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. And so Paul looks at Abraham, too, and says, it, from a different angle, Abraham was made right because he sacrificed his life to God, and that was his faith. They're kind of saying the same thing in two different ways, Right? Paul helps us remember that Abraham had faith, and that faith made him right with God because he sacrificed his life and then he lived it out as he continued to sacrifice out of that faith. Then back to James, verse 22, uh, James says, You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. Okay, again, is it grace? Is it works? Is it both? What are we, how are we supposed to take this, right? Because you could, I, could, I could go off on this and say, well, you know, yeah, you prayed a prayer, but now you gotta do this, you gotta do it. Where's the scale? What's the list? What's the official list? How much is enough? How do we know, right? Well, again, let's dig a little bit deeper here. What is the word that faith and actions worked together? Work together comes from the Greek word uh, synergio. Sound familiar? Synergio. Working together in partnership, right? It, it, it means that they power, they partner together. They put forth power together. Faith and actions are together in synergy. But then there's this interesting, it means that they're related, right? They're inseparable in that. But a cat and a tail, a dog and a tail, let's go with the cat. I don't like cats. I'll right, we'll go with dogs, right? Last night, my poor Roscoe was being attacked and harassed by a cat. I'm not going to talk about cats this morning. I'm going to talk about dogs. A dog has a tail. A dog and a tail are synergistic together, right? But what wags the dog? Does the dog wag the tail or does the tail wag the dog, right? So just because they're, they're connected and they partner together, the tail wags because the dog is happy, right? Grace is the dog and faith and, and, and works is the tail, right? Think about it that way. But then it says, what about the complete, right? Right. Um, The word complete isn't coming from the cheesy, I'm sorry, I'm dating myself here, but remember uh, Jeremy McGuire or Jeremy McGuire or whatever? I tried to block that movie from my memory, but I just can't. comes up at the weirdest times. Remember, you complete me, right? Because he was so empty and he needed another human to fill that void because apparently he didn't know Jesus, right? And Jesus only can fill that void. But it's not like, like works fulfill the emptiness of grace, no, it means the Greek word is actually teleeo, uh, which means to perfect, to finish, to fulfill, to bring to the end goal, to mature. And so basically the works are the exclamation point to our faith. Works is a result, a resounding like boom to, our, to the grace of God in our life. And so it's not saying that grace is incomplete, it's just meaning that 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 grace is the tree and then the works is the fruit. Like how awesome is that? Right? Basically he's saying the whole point of faith is action. It's not just some dry idea that's meant to grow to gather dust on our nightstand. It's meant to be put into concrete action every day of our lives. Verse 23. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He, even called the, he was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Okay, again, sounds confusing. We've been over this, right? These are in partnership together, one reveals, matures the other. I actually really like how the New Living Translation puts this better than like even the NIV does because the NIV says a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. It's kind of a bad translation of the original Greek um, because in, in Greek, the word that is used as justified, um, de, uh, dekaio, um means to show, to exhibit to give evidence of righteousness. And so it doesn't mean that we're justified by our works. It means we're, we're justified. Like, you want the proof to justify? Yeah, I'll justify it by that. Does that, mean, does that make sense? We kind of we like, um, when justification, yeah, here, look at my works. That reveals my faith. It doesn't mean that, that, well, I say I believe this and now I have to do this so that I am justified and made right. It's sort of like, no, it's, 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 it's shown as proof of that grace. We can say we believe, but if our life doesn't show it, if we can't prove it, then we have to ask ourselves why. Now, it's important to see Again, that James and Paul are not screaming at each other. They're back to back. They're defending the same truth and they're applying it into the areas that they need. Our faith and the way that we live are inseparably related. Some of us here this morning need to hear if we're from the heavy works, if we're from the legalistic camp, Jesus is enough you no longer have to live in fear. You are not destined to a life of misery on a treadmill wondering if you are hitting the qualifying pace, whatever that might be. Maybe this morning you need to hear that, that it is grace that transforms us. We are set free. We have freedom in Christ And so if you've been told your whole life that you are not enough, that you are not good enough, that you haven't done enough, guess what? You know what? On on part, they're right. You're not. But that's the beauty of what Jesus did is he says, I got you. I got you. You are enough in me because I say that you're enough. Some of us need to hear that over and over and over. Some of us this morning, on the other hand, maybe we adhere to some form of cheap grace. And it's kind of like, I'm saved, rock on, do my own thing. Some of us this morning need to be challenged that if we are not willing to sacrifice our lives for Jesus, we need to step back and look at why. Because Jesus paid the full price of our sins on the cross, but then he also says, I got you, now go pick up your cross. What? He calls us to a life of sacrifice. He he, he has his followers come in and he he washes their dirty, disgusting feet. And and then he says, now go do likewise. Jesus came to serve, but he also called us to follow in his footsteps. That means he called us to serve too. And that's where he starts to say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're starting to mess up my nice tidy little life. I kind of have a good life. I kind of like it. don't really think i need this anymore because it's kind of uncomfortable it's kind of inconvenient i want my time i want my money i want my this i want my that and it's kind of like next thing you know our world shrinks from for god so loved the world to god loves me some of us need to hear god loves me and others of us need to hear god loves the world i don't know what it is for you for me guess what it's both (laughs) it's both but the thing is, is that if we are not willing to sacrifice like Abraham did, because faith sacrifices. If we aren't willing to sacrifice, we need to ask ourselves, do we really have faith in Jesus? I think it is absolutely insane that Abraham was willing to. I love my kids. And if one of you would say, God's telling you to kill your child, I'd say, you're crazy. Go back to your cult cave, right? <laughs> like. No, but then you start thinking, okay, but am I willing to sacrifice like my time, my finances? Am I willing to put them in an uncomfortable situation? Am I, am I willing to uproot them from family and friends and, and move them a thousand miles away to a foreign land, exotic land called Utah, right? Like, am I, am I willing to sacrifice that? Um. We, we really need to step back and examine, am I willing to sacrifice? Here's the thing. If we're not willing to sacrifice, we are not going to see the change in our lives that God so desperately wants to bring. We're gonna continue to hold on to the same junk that we've held on to for years, and we're gonna justify it. We're going to rationalize it. We're gonna defend it. We're gonna get mad at anybody who calls it out because it seems to be working pretty fine. I don't need you if you're gonna, you know, get away from me. And our world will shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink when God is saying, no, come on. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go and, and spread my good news, right? God is calling us to that kind of life. If we're stuck in addiction, if we're stuck in, in sin, if we're stuck in brokenness, if we're stuck in all these things that have their hooks into us and are pulling us down and, and, and paralyzing us, God's coming in and he says, I want those out. I want you to experience freedom. I don't want you to walk around with a, a cloud of guilt and shame. I don't want you to, to worry about what other people are thinking. I don't, whatever it is for you, that, that darkness that holds us back, God wants to set you free from that. To close out this morning, two things. As we step back, I hope comes into focus from this passage. Number one, we need to check our motives. We need to check our motives. Are our works done with the purpose of earning God's favor? Because in that paradigm, who gets the glory? Who gets the credit? Who gets the honor? I do. Because I did this, I did that, I get the glory, I get the credit. Or are our works done out of faith in a way that brings glory to God? You see, in legalism, we are the central point. In faith and action, God is the central figure. So let's flesh this out just really quick. Church, right? Like gatherings like this. If we do it out of a legalistic heart, we get the favor from God and from others. I went to church, therefore God's happy with me. Other people think I'm a good person. It was worth an hour, hour and a half, right? It was, it was a good investment. People think, hey, you go to ch- hey, you're a good person, right? I'm a good person. I go to church. But if we do it out of faith, all of a sudden now we look, this is a great way to grow and connect and invite others and to serve and to, to like, like church is a great little C church, right? Like Greenhouse is a lowercase C church. We are not the capital C church. We're just one of millions of churches around the world. Okay. And we, we don't forget that. Like, we're not the big show. We're not the big kahuna. We are just one small Christian family of people that are trying to know Jesus, right? We can benefit from that. And God is glorified from that, right? Worship. Legalism says, again, boy, I can put on a good show. I can, I can get what I want. I, can, I, can, I feel so happy. Again, we're talking about the fruit that comes from sacrificing, right? Faith, through the lens of faith, worshiping can be expressing our heart to God and hearing his heart in return time in prayer, Bible study, legalism, the lens says, well, if you're not doing this, then you're a bad person. You're failing. You're not good enough. You got to work harder. You've got to hit this certain blah, 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 right? And then we feel guilty because, well, I haven't read my Bible in who knows how long, and I uh, prayer, what's that even that, right? But through the lens of faith, Prayer and Bible study becomes an opportunity to grow in our relationship with God. And, and just like maybe I forget to tell Nicole that I love her some days, right? She's not going to forget because I express it and we experience it a lot outside of that, right? It's not this legalistic quota like you have to do this. No, it's something that I get to do, right? Service. Acts of service. Legalism says, again, we're earning favor, storing up treasures for ourselves, getting a good good, um, um, opinion of other people, whatever. But through faith, it's merely a pouring out. It's joining in with what God is doing all around us. It's sharing his heart for what he loves and what he's doing. So check our motives. And second, we are designed to live out our salvation. Faith sacrifices. Faith sacrifices. What good would a million dollars do if it just sits in our bank? We can grow interest. Okay, what would a million dollars and one cent do in our bank account? Invest it. Use it. Use the gift that you've been given to make a difference in a world that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. They're hurting people everywhere. If God entrusted with us a million dollars, then by gosh, we should be looking for where God wants us to invest that. If we have uh, the knowledge how to cure cancer, hey, guess what? I know how to cure cancer. Way to go. Who have you shared it with? No, I want to say I am the only person who knows how to cure cancer. What does that reflect? What kind of fruit is that, right? Share it. Use the gifts that God has given us. What good is salt if it's never shaken out? What is good is light if it never goes into darkness? Jesus sacrificed everything for us, and he calls us to live a life of faith that sacrifices as well. Don't take the gifts we've been given, starting with grace and mercy and love and forgiveness, and then on and on and on and on from there. Go and live that out. Surrender our lives to Jesus. Here's something to is that we stand, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we stand positionally right with God. We are no longer enemies. If I say, you know, the guy on the cross that was next to Jesus, and he says, you indeed are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And Jesus says, sweet, I'll see you later on today. Right? Like, that's awesome. He positionally was right with God. But then I've looked back tragically at he never got to live in a practical, experientially right way with God. He was positionally right with God, but experientially, he only had that few dying moments where he was ex- like experiencing the fullness of his salvation here on earth. And that's what God wants us. He doesn't want us to just lay there like limp strings. Yeah, I'm saved. Okay, what are we doing with it? Are we putting it into action? What good is our faith to anybody around us if we don't live it out? We need to let Jesus mature our faith by how we live. So this morning, think about your life and faith. What kind of a string are you? Are you struggling? Have you experienced pain and hurt and agony? Or are you a perpetrator? Are you, are you a, 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 um, propagating legalism in our, in our homes, in our community, in our church, in our, in our, in our own lives? Are we, are we a proponent of this legalism? Or on the other hand, are we, have we gone the opposite other way and we're just kind of like, ah, grace, great, thanks God, now let me go do my life on my own terms. Are we apathetic? And then do we wonder why our faith doesn't work? My prayer this morning is that the Spirit is going to speak to us. Already, I'm kind of imagining that you've already kind of had a sense of like, yeah, that's me. I identify with that. I've struggled with that. Run with that. Don't hide from that. Let Jesus lean into your life. Break what needs to be broken. Heal what needs to be healed. Challenge what needs to be challenged. Invite and call, empower, and send where it needs to be. I just want to give a quick shout out before we close. If you want a great example of what it means to have faith that sacrifices, we have a bunch of people here this morning that gave a week of their vacation, that spent a lot of money, that, that have traveled either a 1,000 miles or that are putting up with, with that group in their homes or cooking for that group or gonna be coaching kids that they've never, never met before or teaching the Bible to kids that never met before. We had a lot of people who this week are showing that faith sacrifices. Thank you. Let's keep leaning into that together. The more that we allow Christ to change and transforms our lives and to live that out, guys, our community, our world needs that. They need it desperately. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you are the ultimate example of what it means to have faith that sacrifices. You had faith in, in, in who you were in your identity and your mission. God, that you poured everything out for us. And so God, we thank you for that. God, we don't wanna take that for granted. We don't wanna take that lightly. God, this morning, if we're here and we're kind of like, yeah, my faith is just kind of dead. God, don't let us just sit with that. Challenge us, call us. What do you want us to join in with what you're doing, God? Stir our hearts. Show us what life with you can really be like. God, for some of us this morning too, I just want to pray your healing over, if anything else, they just need to hear that they are loved by you. And so God, I I just pray that they would just experience the fullness of that, that you, you sacrificed for them. And you love them. God, you want them to know you. God, you already know them. You know them better than they know themselves. But God, you call us to know you in return. God, we just want to close out with a time of worship where we can thank you for your goodness. God, I pray that this would continue to resonate in our hearts, our minds, the rest of this week, and for the rest of our lives. We pray to Jesus, your name.